All right, like Messi looking for apartments in Paris and Manchester, we are back. It is the Box to Box podcast here coming to you on a Monday. Yes, rough outing for Barcelona and Messi in the Champions League. Looking like they're going to be out. And uh, Juve and Ronaldo also going to be a tough, it's going to be tough for them to get through the next round as well. Did you guys know at the last time Ronaldo and Messi were not in the quarterfinals of the Champions League was like, I think 2003. It was whenever they first started playing major minutes for both their, you know, their clubs. It was Manchester United for Ronaldo and obviously Barcelona for Messi. This could be the first time in almost uh, almost two decades that we don't see them in a quarterfinal. Are we happy, unhappy? I'm kind of ready to move on. End of an era. End of an era. 2003, that's like before we really started getting into soccer because we yeah. didn't get into it. Until like well, that's like before we really started getting into high school almost. Like, <laughs> like it was that long ago. True. That is true. But yeah, no, they're, they're done. It's all about Mbappe and Holland now. Let's get that, then that next two incredible talents going through. And, you know, Porto, best, best crowd out there, you know. And so. even with no crowd, best crowd. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I think I... I personally think that one of them, if not both of them, will still both make one big Champions League run, uh, you know, at some point in the next three years. Well, Messi at Man City next year, yep. we're assuming. It's not going to be at Barcelona. Ronaldo at PSG? Yeah. Where, I don't know where Ronaldo goes I don't either. Next. I, I really think that's an, actually an interesting question. Bayern? I've heard people say back to Real Madrid. I mean, this isn't Porto? On, on Ronaldo uh, pod. But I mean, MLS, like, could you see him playing for Miami? I don't, maybe like, M- I don't like Miami's chances in the CONCACAF Champions League. League <laughs> That's the real tournament. Yeah. If you actually want anything, unless you've won the CONCACAF Champions League, no. What's up? Uh, we're going to get actually, Mike, you, you just alluded to it. This is a good debate. I didn't even know it was a debate, but I saw people talking about this on Twitter. It was Mbappe versus Holland. If you could only have one, which one would you take? I I thought it was kind of obvious, but I get maybe it's not. So we'll get to that in just a second. We're also going to talk about some Pulisic transfer rumors. Um, uh, him potentially leaving Chelsea. There's been some weird stuff there since Thomas Tuchel has taken over. Um, injuries. It's been a weird season for him. Injuries obviously have been a problem, but he hasn't been able to kind of be a regular starter for them. And there have been some rumors about him going back to Germany. So we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about and, and predict our Champions League knockouts part two for the games coming up this week. we got four good matchups, and we're going to close it out with our best bets, as we always do. Probably going to be another one in three weeks. So if you keep fading us, again, you keep winning that money, so keep doing what you're doing. But I want to start here because it affects two of us in the pod, Brian and I. The Merseyside Derby. Everton win 2-0. Uh, Liverpool is blue for the first time, really, since 1999. They get their win at Anfield uh, for the first time since 1999. It's a full-on crisis right now for Liverpool. If it wasn't one before, it definitely is now. The only thing, Brian, I was joking about this for you in our group text, the only thing Liverpool had left was that they still basically reign supreme over Everton. They don't even have that anymore. What's going on? Like, how bad is this? Well, like I said that oh, uh, on Sunday, this is rock bottom. This, this was literally oh, this rock is, bottom. This like, is not rock It was bottom. really bad before this. Yeah. Losing to Everton at home <laughs> is to an Arsenal fan about what Mike does want to see what rock bottom is like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it could get worse. Well, oh, our rock bottom is much different than your rock bottom. But, um, yeah, it's full-on crisis mode. Uh, we It was this funny conversation we had. I mean, at this point, as a Liverpool fan, there's nothing you can do but laugh. Like, you could see Klopp's face when Henderson got hurt. It's just like a – it's ridiculous right now it's laughing to like mask the pain you know and it's uh we've all been there it's yeah we, <laughs> like we'll, we'll, we've all been there we all will be there eventually <laughs> the um you know i i try to tell myself you know we won the champions league in the premier league in two years that's that's enough it, it is enough um but it is crisis mode um i'm wondering now you know do we even talk about top four? We talk about maybe getting in Europa. Um, <laughs> hey, that's the real competition. 
you know, <laughs> can we catch West Ham? Uh, <laughs> of Boys, like, what baby. are we? This is like a team that won the Premier League by 20 points last year, and we're out here like trying to stay ahead of – we're probably going to be behind Villa in, in a little while because they have games in, in hand. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, I'd rather almost not at this point with how bad it's been just <laughs> give us – it was a rest, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's like I said, it was, you, I was holding on to one thing, which was at least the worst year possible global pandemic mountain of injuries still can beat Everton at home. That's out the window. <laughs> as an Everton, I'll say as an Everton fan, um, I was not confident going into that game, even though you guys had not been playing well. I looked at the lineup and I immediately texted you. I'm like, I don't know how we're going to score goals in this game. And they end up scoring two. They scored what in the third minute on a beautiful pass from high mace to Richarlison. Great finish of all people. I'm sure you as Liverpool fans were not excited to see Richarlison score that early in that game after what happened in the first game. But I, you know, the Everton stuff aside, obviously it's great. Hopefully they go on and they potentially finish top six. It'd be, it would be awesome for them. I don't want to talk even about finishing ahead of Liverpool yet. Cause I still feel like Liverpool have this other gear that they could potentially get to when they figure it out. But I think this has to be, and this is where I'll bring Shane and, and Mike into the equation uh, as somewhat neutrals, but Am I, am I crazy to think that even with all of the injuries that Liverpool have gone through, that it, it shouldn't be this bad? Like, I, 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 I can't wa- – they cannot score. They have turned into West Brom overnight. Their front three is a disaster. Everyone seems completely out of form. And, you know, I think you kind of have to point the finger at Jurgen Klopp. And I'm not saying, like, his job is on it's, – it's, it would be insane to even suggest that his job is on the line. Um, but I, I do think it is fair to say – that I kind of expect more, even though the injuries are a major problem. Is that unfair? I think it's unfair. I think it really is unfair. I think if you look at where their injuries are and for how key those players are and how they've had to cover those holes, I think it's unfair. Well, I do think it's also at the same time fair to point some fingers at Klopp and the board for running such a thin side over these years. Because we've, we've long said that while they are such an elite talent, like unbelievable how well that 11 operates and how good of an 11 it is. There was never really any depth to that team. There was like, when Origi is like your difference maker off the bench. And like, I think there was a time where he would come up, you know, big in some big moments. It was never a team that would like, you know, come into a second gear by bringing in these big difference makers. It was always like, we're going to bring in Origi, Shakiri. Um, to really change up the, you know, our look. And then Ox, you know, was also there, but it's not someone, people who could really rotate their squad. And that was the concern on a quick turnaround of a season and it's come to fruition. It sucks. Um, I don't, but I also, at the same time, I can't blame Klopp for not being able to figure out how to put together an 11 right now. Yeah. And, and going off that, like we've talked about it plenty of times, but Liverpool, you know, starting 11 is, is fantastic. And they've played a lot of minutes over these past two to three years. And for the most part, I've stayed pretty injury free for the past two, two, three years or so. Uh, this year it just seems to be all accumulating, whether it's people just worn down or, you know, the, the short preseason, just the, the amount of the, the amount of sheer games. You all said there's going to be a lot of injuries this year. It just seems like Liverpool is taking the brunt of it. Um, but it really just kind of goes to show you, like, you need that center that center back pairing. You need those two center halves to have an understanding and a chemistry together. Cause Liverpool, I think Brian is on like their 17th or 18th center, different center back pairing this, this, uh, this season. And you could, you could go with, you could probably deal with uh, Van Dyke getting hurt as long as, you know, maybe Joe Gomez is healthy. And then you could kind of like rotate another guys around Joe Gomez. But the fact that they've had 17 different pairings at center back is just way too much for any, any team to handle. 
Well, so it's funny because like what you're talking, Steve, is I do think it's more than the injuries. There's clearly a problem. And I do think you can point fingers at a lot of different things. I think um, kind of just to wrap this whole this whole topic up as a whole from a Liverpool fan perspective is I think that I do think the spending aspect and not shoring up in the window is exaggerated because at the end of the day, we brought in $40 million player that can play all three positions up top who was looking phenomenal as a sub before he got hurt, which is obviously Diogo Jota. We brought in a treble winning world-class midfielder for $30 million. We have had up and coming players like Curtis Jones, who they knew were going to take a step up. So it wasn't like we didn't buy anything. What we didn't buy was the, we, people have known Joel Matip's injury problems for years. Joe Gomez is, I don't even want to say injury prone because he's had three free long-term injuries that are like broken legs, stuff that's like, that you at, can't, that that's not England just like, right? it was England duty. Yeah. It was, you know, not to bring it up, but it was against Burnley the other time. <laughs> um, but when I look at like pointing fingers at specific situations, if you just look at it, how I, how I've been comparing it is city last year, America or in, they took a massive step back. Imagine if they lost Americ Laporte, Ruben Diaz, and John Stones, and then Fernandinho, who was covering for them, and then Rodri, for, who was then covering for him. I know Henderson's, Henderson's right, just now, Brian, so it hasn't impacted yet. They still finished second, though. Yes, they still finished second, and, but, they, but they lost one center back, I'm mm. saying. They didn't lose three center backs. The, what I had said over the weekend is, Pool have now lost five of their first three choice center backs. Like that's an, an thing. And what I mean is like, if you take any top club and you take out not only their first center back, you take out their other two after that, you're getting down to guys who shouldn't be there, who should be playing cup games, who should be rotating in crisis situations. And like I said, it's more than just the injuries, but I do think at the top, that is the main issue because if you do that to any side, they're going to be that much worse. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not every team can have Phil Jones as their choice fifth center True. back. Um, so, That's fair. But, yeah, you don't you don't have the stability there like that. Yeah, uh, I but I make do want to so like lucky. just quickly <laughs> make a face, um, a Phil Jones face, if you will. Um, Rojo six center. I don't want to get lost. <laughs> We're digressing. I don't want to get lost in how, <laughs> like, how great or how big of a moment this was for Everton. Like I know, like you talked about it, it was since 99. And you, you do have to wonder, in a season which Everton 99. is trying to build something, how big of a moment is this in them? Like, you know, I'm, they're not, they may not finish higher than Liverpool, but it, it, like, is this a moment where, you know, their opponent across the city becomes that much more, you know, easier of a target for them to reach is it change the way they look at themselves like it does like i think this is a real like refraction point for everton as a club if they can make it that um it could just be nothing but i do think this is an opportunity much like i think tottenham had you know six years ago when they were able to beat chelsea at stanford bridge when they hadn't won there for like 30 years i I, like Mm -hmm. i do think this could be a moment where they are able to build upon it if they're able to do that under Ancelotti. I totally agree. Just to wrap this up, because then we got a bunch of other stuff to talk about. That I think is the, the right point, Shane. If they really wanted to accomplish major goals this season, I think Everton couldn't, they shouldn't have lost twice in Newcastle, lost to Fulham two games before that. 
Like this, I think, is the monkey off the back thing that I think allows them to just play normally against Liverpool again instead of having this huge freaking cloud over their heads every time they go to Anfield or play them. Like it's this insurmountable thing. Now they're like, okay, well, we beat this team. You know, we're confident. We have better players. A lot of these guys have come from bigger clubs and they're not really intimidated. I mean, Ancelotti is obviously he's won every derby that he's basically been in from Milan to uh, to, to Merseyside. So um, I think it's more of a it's more of a, almost a long-term thing for, for Everton than it is a short-term thing necessarily, even though they are tied on points right now with, with Liverpool, which is kind of wild, but uh, I'm going to close it out. My last question to you, Steve, is when does Ancelotti show any emotion? On the, on the I mean, him the- sipping the tea, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, that game-winning goal in the, in, in the FA Cup was absolutely fantastic. He is one of the most likable people there is in the sport. He is one of the best managers there is in the sport. I still think, you know, he doesn't have a, the, the right squad for him. I think he's going to want more, which is exciting as an Everton fan to say, hey, this thing could actually get better because he's attracting more talent. I think guys like Charleston probably stay because, you know, he's there, which is great. So Ancelot, I mean, you can't bring enough praise because there was, again, there was a curse on this Everton club for many, many years through many, many managers. Um, and it seems to be, he seems to be the one that's sort of breaking that curse right now. But um, plenty more to obviously talk about as we go on through the season there uh, with, with both Everton and Liverpool to see where they finish. But um, two guys, I want to, I want to move on to this because this is a really interesting topic. Two guys that might be on Liverpool's radar, potentially at least have been rumored to be on Liverpool's radar if they decide to spend this summer, but they, they're also on a lot of other clubs radar. That is Mbappe and Holland, both two guys who had massive champions league coming out parties, I guess not necessarily coming out parties, but because they've had success before, but Mbappe with a hat trick against Barcelona, Holland the next day scores a, a brace um, and a really impressive brace against Sevilla. And everyone's talking about how these are the two guys to take the mantle from Messi and Ronaldo as the next two, the, the big rivalry in the game and the two best guys to sort of carry that torch forward. And I always thought that Mbappe, like if I had to categorize these guys, I look at Mbappe as he is a generational type player. He is the type of player that can be the best player of all time, but he puts it all together. I mean, I think this, the stats would sort of suggest that as far as goals scored and that the amount of th- the trophies he's won. And I, and I just don't think Holland is on that level. He's just one step down, which is probably a future Ballon d'Or winner still, but I don't think he's necessarily going to be in contention for like best player of all time. But I think Mbappe can actually, can actually handle, but I did see a lot of people on Twitter suggesting that they would take Holland, who is by the way, two years younger and has a more impressive goal scoring record in the champions league at a younger age. And even Mbappe has had, but I, so I guess here's the question for you guys. Is it not obvious that you would take Mbappe over Holland? I think it's obvious. I, we talked about this, you know, in our group chat. I think, like we said, Mbappe is one of those very, like the term generational talent gets thrown around a lot these days. Mbappe truly is the generational talent. He's a young 22 year old striker who can do pretty much everything. Um, and like you said, Steve, he has the talent, the ability to basically change the game with him over the next decade. And this is, this is a good rivalry, and they kind of go off of each other. Like Holland said, he wants to thank Mbappe for his hat trick. That's why that's how he scored a brace, and that's really good for the game. But I kind of compare, um, to go back to the Bundesliga, Holland with like the Lewandowski of, you know, the Ronaldo versus Neymar type of thing. Well, Lewandowski's good. Uh, scores incredible goals. Would have won the Ballon d'Or if they had won this past year. Um, his goal scoring record is incredible. But he's never in the comp- he's never in the talk for, you know, best player of like all time or of this generation. And Bop is in that conversation. Um, Holland is going to be more around the Lewandowski where he's an incredible goal scorer. He does what you need him to do. Uh, and you want him on your team for sure. But he's just, he's not in that same category because there's only 
one to three people in that category at any given time Mm -hmm. on the planet. Yeah. And I'm going to follow it up because I was going to actually make the same kind of comparison is um, Mbappe is the generational player and nothing against Holland, but he's a gen, he's going to be a generational striker. Like you're going to remember him for goal scoring goals, but I still think Mbappe is always going to be the better player that people always, you know, allude to as the, the Ronaldo Messi level type compared to like Mike said, the Lewandowski. But I think what's, it's kind of funny about Mbappe because I actually think like his, you know, accolades have almost done him a disservice to people because people think like, I, th- I do actually think people think he's already like 25 and already past his, like his prime. He's 22. Like people, I think I really do. People kind of forget, like he's like, he won the world cup when he was like 19, yeah. not when he was 24. Like he still has three more world cups to play in. He still has a whole, he still has ideally his prime, which is in five years for the average of players like Holland's a couple years younger, but it's not like Mbappe's old. Like he's a 22 year old who has won everything you possibly can except the champions league. And it's not like he's going to get worse. Now he still has his whole career ahead of him, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. I think, um, you know, Twitter is a great place for people and um, is to it? try to make the counter argument. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think it's accurate. <laughs> I'll stop you there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, I, you know, anyone who's been on there knows that like people try to be like, no, no, you know, this is what's really happening here. You know, Holland's really the guy you want to have like, which, and, and it's not to just like to take away anything from what he is accomplishing now. Like, and I don't want it to seem like that's what we're trying to hit because Holland's unbelievable. Incredible. He's like, and he's super fun to watch. The goal he scored uh, over the weekend. I mean, <laughs> was so stupid. Yeah. And he plays, the, he plays with the passion that you love to see too. Yeah. Like the yeah. amount of passion that comes out of him. Yeah. And the only thing to hold against him is, you know, as Alex Ferguson would say, he has a, you know, a crap uh, agent um, in Roth, <laughs> which is unfortunate. But, you know, the comparison, like as we were kind of talking about this, the comparison I kind of landed on for these two is actually a generation older where I see Mbappe really as uh, an R9. Uh, uh, you know, comparison. I like him as Ronaldo. We're accomplishing that at the international level already. Um, and then going on to accomplishing great things, whether it be with Real Madrid, you know, R9 did it at, you know, Inter and other places around Europe. I don't think he ever enters. I think it makes no sense for Mbappe to, you know, play a moment or a game in the Premier League as much no. as we would all love to yeah. see it. No. Um, I think Holland, on the other hand, is actually much more of a Van Nistelrooy. You know, uh, who is someone who is, you know, just an unbelievable poacher um, and will, you know, actually think actually suits, the, you know, the English game a lot more than Mbappe does just with the way he attacks the ball and has a little bit of his mean streak. And, you know, also because his father um, played in the Premier League, I think at some point he will want to make that jump over. Um, but at no point is, was Van Nistelrooy ever better or considered better than Ronaldo. Um, during that generation. And I don't think we should do that to Mbappe. Mbappe is the next generation's great talent, and he should be looked at that and should be recognized as so. Um, and I think we should just enjoy it because these are just two amazing you know, attackers in the game right now. The one thing I'll say to just close this out, because I know we got a lot more to get to, is I think the, the big difference, guys, is like Mbappe doesn't need service, and I think Haaland does still need service to score a lot of his goals. I mean, you, it's, it, 
Yeah. Mbappe could do anything out of out of nothing. And not that Holland can't, but I don't think he could do that consistently like Mbappe can. I mean, Mbappe is a one-man wrecking crew in a lot of ways, where Holland, I think, is just an absolute I mean, he's a freak, freak striker athletically. He's insane. As you said, I think calling him a poacher is a little bit not I don't know. I just don't I don't love that necessarily because I think he's more than that. But he to me is uh, uh Mbappe just is, is in a, is, he's on an island of his own. He's he's kind of like the messy Ronaldo type. Whereas you're right, I think I see him, I see Holland as a little bit more of like a Lewandowski type, even though I think he's probably more, could be more skilled and might even be more athletic, which is insane to say because Lewandowski is arguably one of the best goal scorers of his generation. And, well, and I just, actually and, think, or go ahead. I was going to say it real quick. I know we talked about this over the weekend, um, but Jamie Carragher said he needs to go to Liverpool, some sort of stepping oh, stone. Uh, but like Shane said, Mbappe, please um, stay away from the Premier League. It's, people will go after your No reason for you to be there. And, yeah, <laughs> just, just, um, stay away because you don't you don't want to play against the Burnley squad like you just you don't want to do it. Um, he's going to go from PSG to Real Madrid most likely, and he'll showcase his talents that way. And if he goes to the Premier League, which again is the most um, distributed league in the world, more people will see him. But he doesn't need that kind of physicality. And not saying anything against him, but it, I just I don't want to see Mbappe's career go downhill because of some injury because some no name center back wants to make a, t- make some sort of statement and make a bad tackle mm-hmm. on Mbappe. I just James don't want to see that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I think that's well, a good what point. What I was going to say is quick comparison is I do think one name that I, I, I don't always love the comparisons because we've talked about this in the past about like every single sports draft where they're like, this guy's the next, this guy. And it's just cause like they've, you know, they've done one thing in their life that, you know, reminded them of somebody. But I do think that one of the most like probably common comparisons that I do think is pretty accurate is the Holland to Zlatan because of their like freakishly weird ability to score that goal that Holland did the other day. They're both huge, extremely athletic in a weird way. But I think the thing that makes Holland so special Scandinavian, like he's never in the wrong spot (laughs) as a striker, which is very hard to teach as somebody who's 20 years old. It's phenomenal. It's obviously why he has like a champions league record for his age. You know, what's funny about Holland? his positional awareness is incredible. You know what's funny about Holland too is I feel like every other day I read a story about how some random club has you know had a chance to sign Holland when he was 17 years old and you're like can we just stop doing this um, and you're like we I, get I, it Banger so you almost it. signed him it's not even Arsenal I saw there was an Everton one that Roma there was a Roma I mean every club is like oh they had the yeah. chance to sign Holland it's like yeah okay I'm all right you know what let's I'm, I'm tired let's move on but speaking of being tired moving on let's do this really quickly because we got a lot to get to and we don't have a lot of time uh, there's another rumor interesting rumor um, about Christian Pulisic at Chelsea obviously he's had a bit bit of a rough year after kind of carrying them at the end of last year into that final Champions League spot. Um, when asked about whether or not Pulisic would stay this summer, this is what Thomas Tuchel, their new manager, had to say, the new manager of Chelsea had to say. He said, quote, yes, today, clearly yes, but it is not um, only from my point of view. We have to see. For me, clearly yes, because Christian was bought, uh, brought to Chelsea for a reason. He has quality, potential, so it's our job to bring out the best in him. He proved it in many weeks that he's at the level of a Chelsea regular player. To have a big impact at this club is challenging now to maintain that level and to keep moving forward and improving. So he kind of leaves the door open there a little bit, and there's a Spanish outlet that I'm not even going to try to, to pronounce, but they're basically saying that Pulisic would be open to a move back to Germany because Bayern Munich are apparently interested in his services and have acquired inquired about his availability. It goes on to say that Pulisic, who's 22, would cost probably around $72 million, which is about the same price that Chelsea paid for him from BBB a couple of seasons ago. Um, really quickly, guys, I don't know. Like, listen, you have to take this with a grain of salt. I'm not saying this is true. I just think, I think it is kind of interesting. I think we would all actually like that move. And there've been rumors that Kingsley Coleman is leaving this summer. 
Byron could be in need for some help on the wing. And Pulisic knows the league. I actually kind of think this would be a great move for both parties. And it would be kind of nice to see him get away from Chelsea. What are we thinking? I personally love the move. I mean, if we could get away from Chelsea, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen because as we said earlier, uh, Byron don't really spend money. They kind of get their players from free from other Bundesliga clubs. Uh, But if they do spend the money and if they bring Pulisic in, like you said, he knows the league. He's performed well in the league. Uh, the issue is with Pulisic because ever since he signed with Chelsea, it's always been kind of a one, can he stay healthy? And then two, the managers just don't seem to really trust him to, he doesn't really get that many games in a row in the starting lineup because either he gets, he gets a knock and so he's out for a game or two, or like he's, he underperforms a little bit, but it, it, it never really seemed to have clicked between him and whatever managers in charge of Chelsea for whatever reason. And it just hasn't really propelled his career as it probably should have when he signed and if he could get out and go to a club like Bayern Munich which seems to only just pump out you know championships and everything like that I think that would help Pulisic as well as the U.S. men's national team my only thought and why I think the rumors bullshit is um and we I mean we know it is yeah every real um well I don't okay do I do I doubt that Bayern are interested like at least asked could, could you see for example I don't know. On loan seems tough, but like, you know, I don't know. Maybe Chelsea, maybe he's not in Tuchel's plans next year or something. Could you, I don't think it's ridiculous. Byron took uh, Ivan Perisic on loan last year and he ended up being one of their best players. Like, this is what Byron does. They just do savvy. Yeah, deals. but so they I'm also saying, like, I'm not, I'm not just, saying it's, I'm, all I'm saying is I don't think it's impossible that Byron are interested. My only reasoning is because they bought an expensive left winger from the Premier League last year and he hasn't even really integrated into their team fully yet. And why would they do the same thing again? It's just, it, it doesn't, it's not consistent with Byron's past in terms of. Yeah. But Pulisic, being, like, Pulisic could also play on the right though. Yeah. He can play on the right, but like, I'm not saying, I just think like it's an easy rumor to make because you have a club like Chelsea in the headlines, especially new manager, you know, the, they've been, we we've talked about it a lot this year. They haven't figured themselves out yet. They brought in a new man. Pulisic is down this year. He's what have you. Connect him to a big club that is rumored to be losing another guy in the same position, like you said, with Kingsley Coleman. It's just an easy connection mm-hmm. to make that I think all these rumors based on. I would love the move because I don't want Pulisic at Chelsea. But at the same time, if Thomas Tuchel can make a lineup where Pulisic is heavily featured. I would want him to be involved and stay there. I just want him to get healthy and get a run with a team where he can always play with good players around him and grow because that's what's best for obviously our interests as U.S. national team. Shane, last word on this because we got to move on. Yeah, no, um, what I'll say is I don't think the Premier League is the place where I would want any of my national team uh, young um, <laughs> players to be developing. I just don't think it's it's – there's an opportunity there where I think that, you know, there are a lot of clubs who provide that opportunity. I just think there's major injury risk. And I think there's also just the English Cowboys are a hellscape. It would also be concerning for me for the manager who gave Pulisic his debut and also saw Pulisic have 4,300 appearances under the 2016-17 season. Uh, can't find a way to get him into a starting 11 that I think needs him. So I agree. Uh, well said. All right, let's move on because this is a perfect transition. We're going to do – last week we did the four knockout games. We predicted them in the Champions League. We're going to predict the four knockout games that are taking place Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. And speaking of Chelsea, let's just start with their – start right there, guys. Um, Atletico versus Chelsea. Pretty interesting matchup. I don't 
really have a great lean one way or the other, but let's try to crank, crank through these pretty quickly. Um, Shane, let's start with you. Let's go in reverse order. Like, wh- what do you like here? Are, are we leaning? Like, Chelsea have been in a decent run of form since they since they got Tuchel, but the Champions League and Atletico is a whole different animal. So what do you think? Who advances? Um, if Tuchel had another, like, two months, I would like Chelsea in this matchup. Uh, Atletico, who has been kind of fading a little bit in La Liga, oh, God, they're just so good at getting out of the round 16. So let's go, Atletico. Yeah, it's just, I just this it's just Chelsea there yet to play a team like Atletico. Yeah, it kind of makes me upset that all of us so far go with Atletico, but I'm gonna I'm gonna join them, which means Chelsea's probably gonna advance. Uh, but <laughs> Atletico just know how to get out of this competition. They're a terrible watch. Um, it's not gonna be fun for any of us to watch, but I think Atletico move on. I know. I feel like uh, now that I'm thinking about this, our best bet should someone, one of us should have taken the under in this game because this is going to be sloppy. <laughs> like Chelsea have been better defensively. I don't think you know they're not quite a prolific goal scoring team just yet under Tuchel. They're trying to get like you know back to football one on one in a lot of ways. But I'm going to make it a clean sweep, even though I don't feel great about it. So you should probably like, congrats to Chelsea. Yeah, you're probably going to move yeah, on. Good job, Chelsea. <laughs> you're moving on. <laughs> so uh, all of us have Atletico, and yeah, I'm just going to go with the experience, even though they're, they are missing a few guys. So it could be kind of interesting, but it should be a pretty good tie. Let's move on to the next one here. Lazio versus Bayern. Probably a little bit more straightforward. I, I would assume that we – does anybody not have Bayern? I would assume we all have Bayern. It seems pretty straightforward. Yeah, I have Bayern to win yeah. it all. So um, The only thing I'll say is we've been talking a little bit recently about like 538, a couple other sites have Manchester City as an overwhelming favorite in the Champions League uh, to win the whole thing, not Bayern, who are the reigning champions. But Bayern haven't been awesome this year. They've been good, but they haven't been there – like they weren't as awesome and dominant as they were at the middle and the end of last year. So – um, I'm not saying they're going to lose to Lazio, but I do think they are way more right for the taking this year than they were last year. What is yeah. interesting is we do, oh, sorry, Shane, we do talk about how everyone just eventually goes to Bayern in the Bundesliga. Uh, much in Gladbach's coach, uh, what's his name? Rose yeah. has already said he's, he's coaching BVB next year. So now he's coaching the rest of the season for much in Gladbach. And now he's just going to go. So it's, it's a, the Bundesliga is weird and how they just kind of announce these things. And then they also continue the German season dude, you know, that, they're, that they're still doing, but yeah, he's, I mean, he's the coach the rest of the season. Then he's moving on to another huge rival. So it's, but yeah, I mean, uh, I forgot what we were talking about. Well, we all, we're all going to have Bayern <laughs> moving on. So that's, yeah. really, that's really what this is about. Um, yeah. We'll get to city in just a second and we'll get to Mönchengladbach in just a second. Cause they're playing each other, but yeah, like listen, I think Lazio have actually been in pretty good form recently. They've been playing better, but I, you know, that maybe they can get a result in this matchup. But I think in the two-legged tie, there's just they don't have a chance. Period. Yeah, uh, and um, I think well, one thing we've seen across you know Europe this year um, is that I think due to the you know condensed off season, all the leagues are tight this year, and that includes uh, the Bundesliga, where who probably has the best team in the league. They've fallen back to the rest of the pack. Yeah. Brian, anything before we move on? No, I just think it's pretty straightforward. Like we, you know, we're picking Bayern. I'm not going to pick against them. Maybe next round when they face probably Liverpool. <laughs> uh, all right. Beat well, us 8-0 on this, this is And there, brother. This is maybe the most interesting ma- matchup on paper because it's a, a massive club versus a small one. But this, a lot of people are picking the smaller club here. Atalanta are taking on Real Madrid, a wounded Real Madrid. I, I think a lot of people are going to be in Atalanta because of just the way that their year has gone for, for, for Real. Um, Atalanta have been okay in the league. They haven't been great. I think they aren't as good as people think they were like last year or two years ago when they were really firing on all cylinders, but they're still a really, really good team. 
I don't, this is, this is as close as of, of all the eight games. I think we've had to decide of all the eight matchups. I think this is probably the hardest one I've had to go back and forth on. So I'm going to go last. So Mike, why don't you go first and I'll see where you guys want to pick. What do you got? Uh, yeah. Typically when there's this much kind of momentum on the lesser club to kind of beat this Goliath of a club, uh, I'm going to take the Goliath of the club as <laughs> okay. it is. Cause it's just going to be a SmackDown. I feel like, uh, I am going to take Real Madrid take to, yeah, I'm going to take Real Madrid to move on. I, Atlanta is not the same Atlanta team from last year. Like you alluded to, um, and Real Madrid, you know, they're still Real Madrid. I'm going to take them. No Ramos. No Hazard, right? Probably no Benzema. I think they're both their right backs are out. Uh, Brian, did you say also uh, Marcelo's out? I mean, he's not really the starting left back. Uh, they have Valverde, a lot of maybe not they playing. they have a lot of guys that are just they're they might play, they might might make this game, but they there's going to be a lot that are going to miss a do with that. Uh, so, who are you taking, Brian? I think I actually think that it's it's funny. Like Mike said, it's people think it's like last year. Like they just go, oh, Atlanta scores a lot of goals. They're really good. You see how they did last year. It's a different team. I get a lot of the same players, but they're not the same team that they were last year. Um, I'm actually going to take Atlanta to to win this game, but I'm not going to take them to win the tie because I think like this is one of those games where they they can probably get a two two one three one win, but I or three two win, but I think Real. Me too. Wow. A lot of it is based on if Ramos can come back for the second leg. If he doesn't come back for the second leg, I'm not going to take Real. But if he does, I think that they're going to they're going to bridge that gap and they're going to move past it mm-hmm. if he can come back. Yeah, it, it was not a great uh, Europe uh, week for sorry, uh, Roma. I think was the only team to win their European match, which really has me kind of trending away from picking Atalanta. And I'm kind of with Mike. Um, which makes me uncomfortable that, you know, I, when, <laughs> when, the, when the, the general public, and, you know, maybe I've been hanging out with Steve too much, is that like when the general public is kind of going in one direction, uh, especially this Fate much towards him hard. Uh, Mr. Fate <laughs> public, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you realize at the end of the day, the general public is pretty awful in terms of most things. Mm-hmm. So, especially yeah. at upset picks, like it doesn't it always seem like in the NCAA tournament or something like whenever it's like oh, oh, it's, this, this twelve seed, everyone picks this, and that twelve seed is not the one that upsets the five. Yeah. That twelve seed um, gets, yeah. gets blown up by thirty. Yeah, so <laughs> this is kind of so. Uh, so, all right, Shane, you're taking Real. I think the I don't think it's like I don't think it's a blow. I think it's a super. It's a squeaker, and I think Real just figure out a way. Like just probably in the second leg too. I agree with Brian. Uh, I think they squeak by somehow. I am Mr. Fade the Public, but I guess I'm going to lone wolf this one here. I w- I'm just going to be pissed off if I don't pick Atalanta and they do win the tie. So I'm just going to I'm going to I'm going to almost fade myself in a way. Uh, I'm going I'm to take Atalanta because I like the way they play. Real Madrid is, is reeling. Yes, they're playing a little bit better. The injuries are insane. And I'm just going to be mad if Atalanta actually do win this tie and I don't pick it. So that's my that's, that's hashtag analysis. It's not great, but that's what I'm going to go with. So I'm going to ask like a, it's like a two part question. Who who do we want to move on? Because well, the answer is flat out Atalanta. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it probably will be the the best game to watch this midweek for sure. Um, especially out of this group of four. I think it'll be the most entertaining to watch. And you know, if Atalanta get an early goal, which could definitely happen, then you know, who knows what will what's gonna happen out there. The thing about Atalanta is they're never out of they're they're never out of a tie, good or bad, right? They they could always lose it and they could always win it the way that they score and give up goals. So um, I think, I think they probably win this game and I think it, it's going to come down to whether or not Real come back in the second time. I'm kind of with you guys on that one. I think Atlanta are going to hold on. So um, more on that in a little bit and coming up in our best bets, but let's just finish this out really quickly. This is the last game. And, and I think it's obviously 
pretty obvious. Again, Mönchengladbach versus Manchester City. I assume it's going to be a clean sweep for Man City. Yeah, I don't understand how you pick against Man City right now. They've won like 18 in a row, which is ridiculous. So let me ask you this. If you had to pick Bayern or City right now as your favorite to win it, who would you pick? Bayern. I'm not taking City to favorite to win anything that in, in, in Europe, right? I, I don't care. I don't care what 538 says. Shane? Yeah. I'm taking Byron. Ooh, I have it, never been. It's close, man. And it wasn't close a couple of weeks ago. See, Steve, who did City lose to last year in Champions League? Leon. Exactly. exactly. And, you know what? and I know, I know this, this is still going to be a clean sweep because, like you said, but – just, just watch out for Gladbach. This, these two legs. Ooh. It's not going to be. It's Drink not going to be um, a, Gladbach money line here. It's not going to be three zero. <laughs> it's not going to be three zero two zero City, like everybody thinks it's going to be because City have won eighteen straight games in the Premier League. We saw them last year when they were supposed to beat everybody. It was the perfect timing for City, and they lose to a not the not the best, not the second best, not the third best team in France at the time. Gladbach can score goals. I'm just saying Gladbach is a good squad. I'm just saying it's not it's not going to be a, a walk in the park for City like everybody thinks it is. Well, I mean, here's the here's like the wild card in this is that like, yeah, City clearly the better side here. And in most ties, they're going to be the better side. But then Pep will come out of nowhere with like a two six two formation yeah, and totally like, like totally screw himself over because he overthinks these situations. Like Diaz will be on the wing. Yeah. And like that's what I'm nervous about. Because whatever he played against Leon was one of the most ridiculous like your man city, play your game. You're the better yeah. team, period. And he overthunk that he overthought it and he and it obviously cost them. But I don't think we think it's going to cost them here. So as a group it looks like we've got Atletico moving on. We got Byron moving on. We have um we have the three to one Real Madrid over at Atlanta, and we have a, a landslide against uh, uh, with City over Munch and Gladbach. So I think those are all probably the right calls. I'm just going on a limb with Atlanta because I'm gonna be mad if they don't actually advance, if they do advance, and I didn't pick them. But let's uh, close this thing out as we always do, and we'll, we'll roll this thing right over because I know we got a couple of Champions League bets here in our best bets of the week. One and three again, twice last week. Mike is on twice. a little bit of a hot a hot streak, so I'm almost saying, Mike, why don't you lead us off? Because I, I think we should switch Ooh. it up. Like we haven't had huh. good luck, so why don't you? Why don't we do we'll that? switch it up? Time to right, break I mean, the streak. You're you're definitely still uh, in the lead overall. I'm in the money right now. All in the money. I'm, you know, I'm making a good dent. I went five of my last six. Um, you know, midweek last week I took Shakhtar over Tel Aviv at minus one twenty. Mike's been watching um, a lot of film on both squads, and he yeah, of he course, that one for of sure. course. Uh, and you know, Shakhtar got the big two uh, zero win. Now it's going back to Ukraine. I'm going to take Shakhtar again, minus one forty. So a little less odds, but I still think Shakhtar take it out because I don't know how well Tel Aviv's going to travel and <laughs> no one, <laughs> no one likes to go to Ukraine to play soccer. I can tell you that right now. It's basically going to Turkey, except Turkey's I think the worst place to travel to, but no one likes going to Ukraine either. I'll take Shakhtar at home minus 140 uh, to get that win. Can I just say really quickly too, uh, last I had Milan against uh, what Bell Red what was it Red Star Belgrade and of course they give up a goal <laughs> to draw in like the 95th minute when they were down a man I mean the whole thing was insane like it was a total bad beat on my end but it is what it is I took the loss and it's fine but um, I felt good about that pick but I'm gonna I'm gonna go for for our midweek picks and again we're gonna do midweek picks and we're gonna do a weekend um, EPL pick so for my midweek pick I'm gonna go Atalanta I'm gonna go back to the Atalanta Real Madrid game. Give me Atalanta over a goal and a half against Real Madrid. I think they score two or three in this one. They're at home. Um, we talked about all the guys that are missing for Real Madrid. I think Atalanta, they know that if they're going to win this tie, they have to have a strong start at home. So I think they score at least two to three goals here. Give me the over one and a half. Who's, the, who's up next? I think it's Brian. 
uh, Brown would be so a mess. Right? I guess it's me, even though, like, I mean, it's been well, so you know, in the, in the spirit of mixing it up, then I don't know. Yeah, Shane, Shane, Shane rip, it. Go rip yeah. it up. <laughs> All right. Um, I think in what was maybe a record for most goals in uh, Europa League Thursday, uh, we just saw a kind of just was an absolute fun watch if you were just tuning into the CBS kind of red zone action. Lots of, um, yeah. So shouts out to them. Um, but uh, one of the matches that saw a lot of goals go in was the um, young boys in uh, Bayer Leverkusen matchup. And that was I what think... seven goals was that? Yeah, it's four or three. Four right? or three. Yeah, it was four, a three, three nothing deficit that Leverkusen came back from and then ended up <laughs> giving up a goal late. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be going back to Leverkusen. I think there's going to be continue just because of it's the four three. It's going to force uh, Leverkusen to attack early and try to get that. And now they're on that offset. So it's just going to be a lot of goals in that matchup um, just because of the way the aggregate's already set up. So I'm going with the over three and a half um, in that matchup. So big money. Some more goals. Yeah. <laughs> three and a half is usually a tough one too. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Brian, close it so out. That's, that's a uh, interesting bet, especially if you don't follow the Swiss league like I do, but um, <laughs> I'm going to follow up my, Swiss uh, you know, my comments earlier and I'm going to take uh Atletico at home versus Chelsea to win. Um, I I am honestly bounded by the line here. I cannot believe Atletico is plus 170 at home versus Chelsea. Um, it's pretty even like we talked about, but Atletico is this type of team that, you know, atmosphere is are they going to score zero instead of one goals? But I think that they're going to they're going to move by Chelsea this round and I think they'll they'll win 1-0 to 1. Um that line feels like it's a lot of people betting it's on Chelsea. It's such a trap. It's such a trap. <laughs> so they want, they, you, yeah. they want you to bet on uh, Atletico it's to kind of even trap. the books. It's there. such a trap. Completely. Yeah. But it's yeah. just, it's too good of, it's too good. Yeah, plus 170 at for home. Atletico at home. Yeah. For a team that's been in the final a few years. A, yeah. 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 Especially but, a team I don't have a ton of confidence in Chelsea. So yeah. Chelsea to win 2 nothing. For sure. All right, let's do this. So those are our midweek bet, uh, bets. Let's go to our weekend bets in the Premier League. Why don't we just go reverse order? Brian, take it away. You go first. Um, I'm going to take the uh, Brighton to win at West Brom. Oh, Graham Potter um, train. Let's coming, go. Brighton's coming out a nice 25-shot game against <laughs> Crystal Palace that resulted in one goal, so it's kind of par for the course this year. Can, hold on. Uh, can I just say this? This, this, this stat um, needs to be said because it's absurd. Yes, you said like 25. they had 25 shots um, against Crystal Palace, and they lost the game 2-1. Crystal Palace had two goals. They had two touches in Brighton's area. Both of them led to goals. Unbelievable. This is how Brighton's season has gone. Brighton are the XG champions of, of Europe, basically. <laughs> they should, they're, they'd probably be top of the table if XG actually meant anything. Mike and I are all on board, but they actually are in jeopardy of being relegated now because they keep dropping points in games that they shouldn't drop points in. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, along the lines of that, I think this is the week that, you know, two of those – two of those 25 chances turn into goals. It's minus 105 they're playing against. Big Sam's West Brom, which are, you know, Palace had two touches in the opposing box. I think West Brom might have one. So <laughs> score. Uh, I'm, taking, I'm taking Bright in there to win. All right. Shane? Nice. We're just going to be feasting on the bottom of the table right now because I'm interested in the Fulham-Crystal Palace matchup. Um both sides have let up a lot of goals this year because they're on the bottom half of the table. So when they get together, let's see if they can uh, score more than two and a half. I like the over. Uh, again, going back-to-back overs. Um, so let's see some goals from Scott Parker's uh, side this weekend. 
Ball moving point well, so that's actually also that's... spice though is Palace plus two thirty. <laughs> Brian loves Palace. I hate Palace now. Brian loves Palace. We're, this is like Brian and I are rivals on a lot of things recently. I don't know what it is. And Crystal but, Palace uh, is one of them. And Crystal Palace is one of them. <laughs> I uh, I've met enough. I've seen enough. One. I picked them to get relegated. One. I can't stand the way they play. I think they're just a, they're not good, and they somehow like churn out these results. So shouts out to them. That's gets great. But you're not good. So that's all I have to say. Um, I'm going to keep this quick because there's not a lot of analysis behind it. This is, I'm, I'm going to take the Man United double chance versus Chelsea. So I think they win or draw against Chelsea, even though that game is at Stanford bridge, Man United playing the Europa league. I think they're going to rest everybody. They've already won that tie Chelsea. I think you're going to have to go for it in the, and obviously they have a, de- a deep squad, but I think they're going to have to go for it in the champions league against Atletico. That's a tough place to play. Um, and I just think United are the better team. I just, I, I do, uh, at least at this point in the season. So I, I don't see United losing this game. So that would mean I win my bet. So give me the Man United double chance versus Chelsea, win or draw. Yeah, that's fair. I, it's going to be tough to go to Spain and then play at home against United right there. Um, I'm just going to go the Arsenal uh, Asian handicap bet against Leicester Sunday morning, which it's their, it's it's an even bet, so it's plus zero. So all they have to do is win or draw, and that's plus one hundred four against Leicester. And uh, and I'm going to take that. So, all right, those are our eight bets. Um, I'd imagine if we win two, I think it'll be a good week. So again, as you do every single week, if you've been listening all season, keep fading us, and you're going to be in the money. You're welcome. What's up? Uh, we'll tweet these out actually before the games, as we usually do uh, on our on our Twitter feed at Box to Box Show. Again, at some point, we should just start fading ourselves, but we're afraid to do it. I don't know why. Don't be afraid to fade cause yourself. Because the, the week you fade yourself is the week that you're, you know, your gut's right. Yeah. Shane did it, and it worked. It's a scary yeah, proposition. So. And Shane's back, yeah. so there you go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're uh, going to actually fade all of our picks this week. We should do. We do that. Yeah, we give you the picks, <laughs> and then we fade them on our own. And we've, we've been killing it. So shouts out to us. But uh, all right, guys, that'll be that'll do it for this week. I don't know. Whoever's in the background, shouts out to you, too. Appreciate you. Make sure you uh, like, subscribe, rate, review, all those things. Wherever you listen to us, it goes a long way. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Cheers, boys.